0: happier, and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, coming to you from the great state of Nebraska after a very memorable evening at TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha. I'll tell you, I've, uh, I've had very little sleep. I forgot my headset, so we're had trying to kind of improvise here, and uh, we'll make it work. I don't know if it'll be the sound quality you're used to, but uh, but you will get uh, get a good show today, and we'll talk about the craziness that was last night. It's one of those things about this team. It's just when you think you've seen all the magic, they come up with some more. And uh, there's a lot of folks that were talking about Auburn. Auburn's a team of destiny, and. Uh, and listen, give Auburn a lot of credit. I really thought they gave Mississippi State a much tougher game than most people anticipated. I thought Mississippi State would win maybe 5-2, five, 5-3. Five, uh, got the winning number of runs correct. I never thought they would come in such a dramatic fashion, though. And so uh, we're going to recap all that, but I'll tell you, it was an incredible night. And I know I can only tell you how it was in the press box and at the... The venue itself. I can only imagine, and I've seen several videos out there, Cody Snyder, I see you, buddy. I, I see the Mississippi State football team responding. Uh, it, it's just one of those moments where I don't think any of us will ever truly forget where we were. And again, kind of a, a microcosm of this team as uh, Marshall Gilbert comes through with a walk-off hit, and it's just like every night it's a different hero. And listen, there were a lot of heroes last night that kind of set up that game-winning hit, but it reminded me a little bit of that 17th inning win in Hoover. You know, it's Gunnar Halter with the game-winning RBI. It's just a different guy every night, and that's what you get when you get balance. You get different guys stepping up and making defining plays for your team, and Mississippi State has had that happen all season long. Uh, Before we get too deep into the show, I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmark. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there. They will treat you like family because you are family. You can swing by today and pick up your Mississippi State College World Series T-shirts. They've got those ready to go right there at the front counter. And if you can't make it to town, maybe you want to have one shipped to you out in Omaha. Stan can handle that for you. Go get it taken care of. Go visit them at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. We'll give you a promo code to save you free shipping on all orders over fifty dollars. That phrase BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and again, free shipping on all orders over fifty dollars. So let's let's just go ahead and get into it. I, I mean, I don't have a lot of notes. I don't have a lot of numbers. Let's just talk about where that whole thing kind of grabs us because it really felt like early on that Mississippi State. Had the right guy on the mound, and there was a lot of discussion about that. You know, well, do we need Ethan Small to throw? We could probably handle Auburn without him. And um, I give Auburn a lot of credit. And their two outings against him, they have gotten him out of the ballgame, and they have hit home runs against him. And uh, that's not something that I really maybe expected last night. But it happened. And that's the reality of things. You know, I won't say Ethan was cruising because it looked like Auburn was pretty intent early in the ball game on not chasing the high fastball and really making it work. And and even though he struck out the side of that first inning, he put a lot of pitches uh, on the board and uh, give Auburn credit. And then you come back the next inning, and, and again, he gets a couple punch outs, but again, he had to really work for them. A lot of full counts, got behind some hitters. I, you know, I, I think Connor Davis was the first guy he even had a first pitch strike to. Just He really, really around the zone and some of that's kind of feeling the umpire out too you know it did seem to be kind of a tight zone but it did seem like for some reason Mississippi State wasn't getting that low call uh you know at the plate but but Auburn was and I don't know if it's just the pitching styles or whatever but it just seemed like State wasn't getting that low call but uh but then something weird happens you know you get uh You get Woolly hits that that ground ball to Marshall Gilbert, who made an incredible play. Makes a great diving stop. He gets up, uh, pumps, and just a little bit tardy getting the throw there. And then the next thing you know, uh, Edward Julian hits a a two-run bomb. The, The longest home run ever hit in TD Ameritrade Park. Ties the record at 429 feet. Was not expecting that. Uh, but it happens. And it's one of those things, you come out and you get punched in the mouth early and you see how you're going to respond. And a note that I sent out last night, and it's so great that Mississippi State kind of reverses the trend, is that prior to the Mississippi State game with Auburn, every game in the College World Series, the team that scored first won the ball game. It's true. And heading into the ninth inning, that's how it looked for us last night, that four for four that Auburn had a chance to kind of close it out and uh, brought in Tanner Burns and uh, you know we'll get that a little bit later but it just seemed like those seemed to be I won't say they were huge runs they were big runs but you felt like okay it's a matter of time before this Mississippi State offense gets rolling two runs won't win this ball game and that's true turned out to be very prophetic but you give Auburn a lot of credit because they pitched it really, really well, had State off balance, and it seemed like it seemed like State was on their front foot a lot. It really it really felt like uh, Owen did a good job kind of mixing and matching his speeds there. And State never really could just kind of barrel him up. And there were some balls that were hit really hard, and it was kind of a case of the Adam Balls. I remember Rowdy Jordan hit an absolute, you know, one hop screamer to Will Holland. Uh, and and Holland makes the play there. If that ball's five feet either way, it might even be a double. I mean, he absolutely torched that ball. And so State had to kind of contend with all that stuff. But with the 2 nothing deficit, you just kind of felt like it, it's just really a matter of time. It was so early in the ballgame. Then you get into the fourth inning, and Auburn adds another run. And again, it's, it's Edouard Julian again. Uh, the hero. You know, They're up 3 nothing. Against the number six national seed, a team that took two out of three from them, and, and as we discussed earlier in, in the in the month, we we're talking about last week about, you know, Auburn probably feels like they should have won two of three Mississippi State. You know, they they had that bullpen collapse on Sunday, as you recall, they had a huge lead, and that they, they lose uh, twenty to fifteen. It's just one of those things. I'm sure Butch Thompson told his team all week long, "You're just as good as Mississippi State." You can beat Mississippi State. You've already done it once. You don't have to be scared of Ethan Small. You already got him out of a ball game. You got in their bullpen, and you won the game. And I'm sure that was kind of their game plan last night, is let's get Small out of there, get in the bullpen. And uh, I had a chance to speak with Aaron Fitt last night during the break. Aaron Fit of D1 Baseball, one of our great national uh, college baseball writers. And he goes, hey, Steve, how do you feel? I said, I think they're going to be okay. I think it's going to boil down to a battle of bullpens. And uh, Aaron says, "Well, in that case, I really like Mississippi State's chances." And ultimately, that 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 worked out to be the case. But uh, you know, early on in the ball game, it was just a matter of when Small was going to get lifted. That's kind of how it felt. You know, he works on through there, and, and uh, pitch count really got elevated. Really, really, really got elevated there. And, um, and you pull him. And uh, you, you bring in Riley Self, you know, small goes five complete, 102 pitches, allows three runs on three hits, eight Ks, three walks, was able to erase one of those walks on a double play, but it just, it just, Ethan didn't appear to have his best stuff, but he was still effective getting a lot of swinging strikes. You know, I think the first time through the order, I think they had a foul ball, like the only ball that had been put in play. And so he was there. I thought it just didn't seem to be a great matchup. Again, you credit Gabe Gross and Auburn for having a good game plan, but uh, you know, Mississippi State's bullpen is able to hold up there. Riley Self comes in, kind of an unsung hero last night. Comes in, and I, and I, and I saw some of the people on social media, and let me, let me remind folks of this. Riley Self has been in a lot of huge ball games for Mississippi State. He led Mississippi State in wins last year. People forget that. But he did. Riley Self, rounding back into form. He's uh, you know, had off-season shoulder surgery. And it's, it's one of those things that's kind of lingered. Uh, but I have a lot of confidence in Riley Self, especially in this big ballpark. And it goes out gives you a perfect sixth inning. An absolutely perfect six inning. Uh, sixth inning. Gets a strikeout, uh, faces the minimum, and uh, just throws ten pitches. And goes out there and really does a good job. And I think that really settled the team a little bit. I think we kind of felt like, okay, we've kind of bridged the gap from our starter to the back end of our bullpen. If we could just kind of keep the game in place now until the, the bats come around, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be okay. And uh, and ultimately, that, that's what happened. Uh, Jared Lee Belt comes on. And I, I'll be honest with you, I did not think Jared was the electric Jared that we see. I, I think there were a couple balls that got away from him, and he admitted that. You can watch that video. I interviewed Jared one-on-one, and it's uh, if you're a jeanspage.com 247 VIP member, you can go watch it right now. I posted that last night. But Jared said there were two pitches that got away from him, and he ends up hitting a couple of hitters. Looked like he was going to kind of wiggle out of the whole thing. Uh, and, man, it was just one of those crazy things that happens, you know, in that eighth inning. You've got you've, you've got the situation kind of settled. Foscue kind of forces the throw in there to third. Panic's just a little bit, and that's one of those things, too. I think sometimes, you know, the instincts take over, and sometimes you don't think it through, you know, but that wild throw at third, and the ball gets loose, and uh, we basically gifted them a run. It's just one of those things that it seemed like everything was kind of going our way. We were going to kind of navigate through that trouble. But uh, that wasn't the case. We, we gave them a run. And uh, you know, let, let's just kind of go back and, and re- recap that inning because I think it was the best and worst of times for State. Uh, Ryan Bliss, Auburn's very talented second baseman. He was incredible last night, made some really big plays back up the middle. That, that kid's got a bright future at Auburn in an the SEC. Uh, but Bliss reaches on an error. I won't say it was a routine ground ball hit to short, but it, it's a play that Westberg normally makes. And uh, then he's on base. And then Connor Davis grounds him to double play, and you think, okay, we're good. And then Will Holland, the cleanup hitter, is hit by the pitch on a 1-2 count. You get a head 0-2, you throw the waste pitch, now you're getting ready to finish him up, and and, and we hit him. And, and that's going to happen in baseball sometimes. Williams comes up in singles. Everybody's good, right? Nope. Everybody's not good. We throw the ball away. Holland comes all the way around and scores. Then, then Wally strikes out. At that moment, it really felt like Mississippi State was in trouble. It really felt like it was not going to be the Bulldogs' night because we had battled back and cut it at 3-1. Now, all of a sudden, you gift that run back to them. It just seemed like, it, even though it was just three runs, it felt like 10. Yeah, I am an optimistic person by nature. And uh, I also have a lot of belief in this team. But even for a true maroon bulldog like me, when that run touched the plate, I thought to myself, "Man, it's just not our night. It's just not, it's just not going to be our night." And I uh, felt bad for Justin Foske. I remember the look on—you could see Jake Mangum you know, kind of put his hands on his on his head. It's kind of like, "Oh my gosh, what have what have we done? What what's happening here?" But the magic wasn't there yet, just yet. And that's one of those things. And I'm reminded a little bit of. Uh, you know, some, some of those great New York Yankees teams. And I remember Derek Jeter said one time, you know, it's just uh, you just keep playing until the ghosts show up. And that's kind of how that ninth inning felt. And uh, we have had some fun ninth innings as of late at Mississippi State. But I just kind of felt like, you know what, they're three outs away from this. And as I, as I tweeted last night that, uh, that Auburn was three outs away from making it four for four teams that scored first. Because in this in this tournament, everything is more precious. And everything is magnified, good and bad. You make the routine play, it's a huge play. You botch the routine play, it seems like it always comes back to bite you. But Mississippi State kind of able to overcome some of those things. But you you give up those early runs and you just kind of feel like you're you're chasing the game. And you get to that ninth inning and and, uh, when Jake hit that ball off the wall, when it first left the bat, I thought it was gone. And then you you begin to see the trajectory of it, realize it's more of a line drive. And I thought Jordan Westbrook said it best. You know, if that ball gets out, it changes things. Probably changes things. Because home runs are often rally killers. But because Mangum doubles off the wall, now all of a sudden, they're in a decision-making process. You have put Auburn in one of those things. Okay, all right. How do we close this thing out? So they bring in Tanner Burns, who has been among their best pitchers this year, even though he's been rehabbing and I haven't been 100% down the stretch. And this is a guy that, that pitched on Monday, gave them an opportunity to uh, you know, to win that Super Regional. Um, but this is a guy with the factor stop. They bring him in, and uh, they lift Fitz. And, yes, that is uh, Richard Fitz is the younger brother of former Bulldog Trevor Fitz. And uh and got a long-standing relationship with Butch Thompson. And uh, so, they, they lift Fitz. And I heard some Auburn people kind of say, "Well, they should have left Fitz in." You know, I think it was pretty clear that he was he was beginning to tire and elevate a little bit. And and listen, if you're Butch Thompson in that situation, you need three outs. You're going to go with the best arm available, and that's no slight of Fitz. He's a young guy that's got a bright future in this league. But Tanner Burns has kind of been their guy down the stretch, and I I don't fault. Uh, Butch, I don't think they they mismanaged. Any any stretch of the imagination, I think they brought their best guy in and state just simply beat their best guy. And sometimes that happens. That that's baseball. That's competition. But let's go ahead and and, uh, and get into that. So you know, Burns comes in and uh, strikes out Westberg. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was a 92 mile an hour one two fastball uh, about belt high and just really blasted it by him. I don't know if Jordan was was looking breaking ball or whatever, but uh, it seemed like the fastball kind of snuck up on him. He goes down swinging, you know, g- gives it a, you know, a great effort there, but uh, now you've got the one-on-one out, and it's one of those things you begin to think, okay, if, if we can find a way to get Tanner Allen on and bring Big Mac to the plate as a tie-and-run, the way that he has elevated his play over the course of the last two postseasons, anything is possible. And that's kind of what I started telling myself. I was, you know, if we find a way to get Jake home, then all of a sudden it's four to two. You got a couple runners on. You know, if, Tanner, let's say, Tanner doubles here, drives in Jake, then you know, McNamee's at the plate as a tie and run. And lo and behold, it almost unfolded just like that. You know, McNamee comes up after Tanner Allen walks and again, people talk about Big Hack Mac or Big Hit Mac or whatever you want to call him. This kid has the clutch gene. It's as simple as that. He has the clutch gene. Absolutely scalds that pitch to left field, drives in Jake, sends Tanner to the third, Mac takes second. So now all of a sudden, you've got the tying runs in scoring position with less than two outs. Then we're all thinking, you know what, a base hit will probably score two. Little concerned about Max foot at the time, and listen, I know that he's not a hundred percent. I know, and I know how competitive he is. He's in pretty good shape, but he's not a hundred percent. And listen, nobody's hundred percent this time of the year. But there was a part of me I thought, you know what? Maybe they should pinch run from me right here, because if we have a ball getting outfield, you know they're going to send him and force him to make a play to, to to win the game. But they didn't do that. But that was my line of thinking. I thought maybe you you pinch run for Mack. They didn't do that. Foskew hits one hard on an 0-2 pitch and really ripped it to the left side. And uh, Holland makes a nice play, makes a clean throw to first. The run scores, it's 4-3. Magnum stays at second. And you begin to kind of think, okay, we just need a base hit. And again, I go back to this whole pinch running thing. That's when it really began to kind of get elevated in my mind. I'm thinking, you know what? Two outs, ninth inning, any little bleeder somewhere, you got a chance to score. What about Max Foot? And uh, speaking of feet, you know they went back and reviewed that play at first. We were unaware of that situation in the press box until it unfolded. We just didn't even know what they were going to review. And so uh, the, the initial replays that we had, Everybody's like, oh, well, it looks like he is off. Obviously, there wasn't enough to overturn him. And, and, uh, but how big a moment would that have been if they had reversed it? Because they'd already had a little momentum. You you save it out there and you put another runner on base. But uh, it set up some real interesting drama. And I think that, that stoppage of play was good for Mississippi State. I think it gives you a chance to settle. And I think if you're Auburn... It kind of gives a moment for the anxiety to rise because you know it, the pressure on of that ball game early was on Mississippi State because you know, everybody expects Mississippi State to win. A lot of people expecting Mississippi State to win the national championship, and so if Mississippi State beats Auburn, it's not a big deal, and that's no no slight to Auburn. But Auburn is this team that's kind of playing on house money. But when we got into that ninth inning, everything shifted. Because the expectation heading into that inning was for Auburn to close it out and and win the ball game and have a pretty big upset. And then again kind of resume that mantle of a a team of destiny. But I, I was very excited that Dustin Skelton was coming up. Dustin Skelton is a veteran. Dustin Skelton had had a good night. He'd already had a couple of hits. You knew that he's going to put the ball in play. And anything can happen. Anything can happen. And anything did happen. It was an absolute craziness. And I still don't understand why McNamee was going on a play. But you hit the ground ball to third. Julian, the guy who was the uh, offensive hero for the Tigers with three RBI, he fields the ball. And uh, McNamee kind of flashes into his vision. And I do think that impacted the throw. I don't think he expected McNamee to break for third. I know that I, I did not. I would have held the runner. But uh, but McNamee breaks, I believe he disrupted, not purposely, but I think because of the fact that Julian saw him in his peripheral vision, I think that's what caused him to kind of chop wood there. You know, he's gaining ground towards first, gaining ground. It's like it's, I kept waiting for him to throw the baseball. And uh, it was like almost like three pumps. And you go back and look at the replay, and, and you see he didn't really pump, but it was just like one, two, three. And it's almost like he second-guessed himself, thinking, man, I should have tagged the runner there. And then that throw was so wild. And I uh, give Dustin Skelton credit. He never slowed down. Never slowed down. Magnum, he scores. Skelton goes into second. And it's just one of those things that I'm reminded. It is a 27-ounce ball game. It's 27 outs. You don't win the game unless you score more runs than other guys, and then you get them out 27 times. And every out is precious. Every single out is important. There are no meaningless outs in baseball. So down, with 26 outs down, Mississippi State had a little magic roll in. And, and you know, it's so interesting. You know, Bill Martin and I have uh, have talked about this kind of stuff many times. These are the kinds of things that happen for LSU. You know what I'm saying? It's like they don't necessarily happen for us. And I kind of joked with a couple of guys last night. I said, this is kind of like the, the least Mississippi State thing of all time because ordinarily it's the other way around. It's, it's maybe us making that mistake. And, you know, and, and there's a part of me where I, I, I kind of got caught in that maybe that old generational Mississippi State mentality. What I mean by that is, is where we just expect bad things to happen for us. And I think maybe it's time we start expecting good things to happen for us because that's what happened in that moment. Something good happened for Mississippi State. Mississippi State played the game the right way. Continued, continued to grind, continued to play, and the next thing you know, the ghost showed up. Rowdy Jordan has intentionally walked, and we were already in the press box beginning to change our uh, our leads on our stories and talking about you know the the kid from Auburn, Alabama, is going to come up in here and uh, rip one down the right field line and drive in the game time run and be the hero, but nope, he did not get that opportunity. They Walk him intentionally. That was really more about getting through the switch hitter. You know, and I think setting up a force, and uh, they then Hatcher comes in, obviously, uh, and uh, you know Gunnar Halter started the night as a DH, had a uh, had a had an RBI, had state's first RBI of the ball game, but Hatcher comes up because you want to you want to stay in that that righty lefty matchup, but uh, Hatcher kind of gets behind in the count, and I'll be honest with you, I got a little concerned. I was like, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen, but but then Hatcher does ground over, hit a little slow tap over right there to third, and uh, the bases are loaded. And uh, it's just one of those things, that, that moment, I, I don't think there was any question Marshall Gilbert was going to come through. And this is a player, a much maligned player, that is playing third because that's what the team needs him to do. He didn't win the catcher's job. I and mean, listen, there was a lot of talk in the fall, you know, among some of our people that follow baseball very, very closely you know, on a really regular basis that wondered if Marshall Gilbert was even going to be on the team in the spring. Now, the coaching staff didn't feel that way. They loved him. Chiefs Bernard, all those guys, they loved him. They were happy to have him. But there were a lot of people that wondered, you know, because he didn't exactly light the woods on fire. And you, you, you expected Dustin Skelton to win the job and keep a job again because he, he won it last year. Skelton with a good ball. Skelton doing all the defensive drills. And you, then you've got these young guys, you know, Hayden Jones coming up, Luke Hancock, and you can think, okay, is Marshall Gilbert the odd man out? It's crazy how it all works out. Because now, now he steps up with the bases loaded in the ninth inning in Omaha, Nebraska, with the game on the line the Mississippi State's National Championship hopes in his hands. And the very first pitch he sees, he hits hard. I know and it doesn't look like it, but you go back and go back and watch the replay and look how far that ball ricocheted off Tanner Burns' glove. You know, I, I don't they had him kind of shaded up the middle. I think if Tanner Burns doesn't get a glove on it, they might even glove that and, and get the fielder's choice and we go to X ratings. But Burns trying to make a play there actually, you know, vaulted the ball skyward. And uh, Bliss gets over there and tries to backhand it. I don't know at that point if they had a play at second. But then it bounces off his glove and rolls harmlessly into the outfield. And then there's just a mad dash to Marshall Gilbert. It was uh, one of those surreal moments. You know, we've had some big moments at Duty Noble. We've had some big moments on the road. We just had a big moment at Omaha, Nebraska. We talk about last year Luke Alexander walking off Washington. That was big. That was big. Big for Mississippi State. We came back out in the winter's bracket game and beat North Carolina. And it seemed like we were in the driver's seat. And uh, we're in a similar situation now. But that moment last night, absolutely surreal. Cole Gordon, your winning pitcher. 5-0 and on the season. And where would Mississippi State be without Cole Gordon? <laughs> we talk about this bullpen all the time. Uh, the way that Scott Foxhall has kind of pieced this thing to, together, you begin to kind of realize, you know what, if, if we can get six from a starter and leave with the lead, we're going to win the ballgame. That's just kind of the belief you have now. You feel like, you know what, if if, if we can get six innings, we can win the ballgame. And uh, you come up one short last night, you get five out of small, and Riley self bridges the gap there. You turn it over to Lee Belt. You get it to Cole Gordon. And I remember when we brought Cole Gordon in. I remember thinking, man, I hope I don't know if this is the right idea. But it worked out. Again. It worked out again. Tanner Burns drops to four and four. I read his postgame commentary. We we were so excited to go get it, you know, as much content as we could to kind of capture the moment because it was just simply that important. I didn't get, hear any of the Auburn press conference. read it this morning. And Tanner Burns, taking the loss very, very hard. Blames himself. Said that it was his job to go out there and get those final three outs. Said everybody else played a good game. And, uh, you know, you hate to see that, but it's one of those things, you know, somebody was going to lose an emotional ball game. And I'm glad it was them instead of us. But, uh, you know, we're all such big fans of Butch Thompson. And uh, while Butch is the head coach at Auburn, he'll always be one of ours. He'll always be his Mississippi boy. We love Butch. Wish him the best against everybody but Mississippi State. But uh, I thought Butch very classy in his comments last night after a press conference made mention that his first thought is he wanted to go see how Edouard Julian was doing. And baseball is such a cruel game at times because Edouard Julian is the hero for eight innings. He is the man. He's driven in three runs. He is going to provide the margin of victory for Auburn's uh, first, first, first round win in the College World Series since 1967. And then there is a couple plays that are his undoing. So he goes from being the hero to the goat in a matter of a couple of hits. You know, I don't know that he could have made the play on that slow roller would I tried him. I don't know. I don't know. But I almost think that uh, the footsteps of Elijah McNamee might have caused that one too. And what I mean by that is I think he was in his head. I think the kid was still replaying throwing that ball away. I think that's one of the things that allowed the inning to kind of be extended. I, I think Edouard Juliard, I think the moment was simply too big for him. And he's a sophomore. He's a great player. He's going to be a star in this league. And uh, well, you know, this Auburn team's going to mature. They're going to be, they're going to be trouble next year. We've got to go over there. You know, we've got to go over there. And uh, they're going to have most of this team back. Uh, we're going to have a lot of our team back, too. We're going to be a really good team. But that's going to be a huge series next year. Butch got this guys going in the right direction. But I think it says a lot about Butch. You know, there's, you know, hey, and, he, and listen, and, he, and Butch loves Mississippi State. But I got to go check on my guy. I got to go check on my kid. I'm not going to get up here and rant and rave. I'm not going to fuss. I'm not going to complain about officiating. I'm not going to talk about Mississippi State was lucky. I'm not going to talk about it was all about what we didn't do and not what they did. He was very, very complimentary of Mississippi State. And then at the end of the day, he's like, you know what? I, I got to go get my guy i got to go check on my player. That's a tough thing for that kid to live with. It really is. And uh, we've had a lot of tough kids over the years that have had to live with some of those mistakes because that's what it boils down to. It was a mistake. I don't know if it was a mental error or more of a physical error, but the bottom line is it was an error. And it should have been a rather routine play. But as my phone began to light up from text messages from uh some of you and, and uh, many of those that I'm close to and love is like, this just doesn't happen to us. What just happened? What, what, what's going on with this team? Because everybody kind of reminisces about last weekend, right? And the magic of that night, then and you begin to think, maybe we're the team of destiny. be State now 6-0 and in the CW tournament. want well, to remind you, when you're in Stark, well, go by and see my friends at Bulldog Burger Company. They're your friends, too. They will feed you. They'll love on you. They'll make you feel welcome. Uh, it is a stark building institution. Bullardburg Company, the best place to get a restaurant quality hamburger in the state of Mississippi. It's right, right in our cotton district. It's ours. Go by, enjoy yourself. Have the spring rolls. Go ahead and treat yourself. Go ahead and have the spring rolls, and enjoy that great restaurant quality hamburger. And if you know what, maybe maybe you don't want to eat that substantial because it, it's not. It's listen. It's not one of these little miniature burgers. You see, okay. This is a this, this is a grown this is a grown folks hamburger when you go to Bulldog Burger Company, but maybe maybe you don't want to eat that that heavy. You can have the salad. You had a BLT salad. You can get the grilled cheese sandwich. You can get the sweet heat chicken sandwich. A lot of options to choose from. Got some healthy options and got some other ones. Uh, if you're looking for a cheat day, you can do a little bit of everything. We absolutely love going there. You will too. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in grow people go to meet M E A T. So so, what's next for Mr. State? Day? Um, I'll tell you, since we have been together uh, last, a lot has changed. Obviously, you know we've had some, some shakeups in the in the bracket. You know, Vanderbilt beats Louisville. We knew that was going to be a tightly contested ball game. Vanderbilt wins three one. Austin Martin with a pair of home runs in that ball game, uh, and that's what stars do. You know that that's on the big stage, stars shine bright, and, and he did. Louisville, it really seemed like they were going to find a way. You know, it's tied 1 1, and then Vanderbilt. That's what, that's what, that's what great teams do. They find a way to win. That's what Auburn did. They found a way to win. Uh, but, uh, you know, Florida State takes down Arkansas. Uh, I know a lot of Mississippi State fans are real giddy about that. Arkansas will play an elimination game today against a really good Texas Tech team. And, I, you know, after watching uh, Arkansas last weekend against Ole Miss, I thought Ole Miss really kind of exposed their lack of pitching. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens today. Texas Tech can really swing it. And uh, Tim Tadlock, one of the best offensive minds in our game, they will have a good game plan against Arkansas. I-, I could see Arkansas being the first team home. I know a lot of Mississippi State fans would like to see that just because of what's happened on Twitter over the course of the last year. there uh, be no more arguing about stadiums. I guess that's really all they'll be able to argue about is the stadiums in their minds because the, the baseball will be over. But, uh, you know, Florida State seems to kind of have that look about them as well. And, uh, you know, I I would love to see Mississippi State play Florida State for a national championship because I think we would beat them. I really do. I I think Mississippi State would find a way to win that ballgame. But the uh, the Michigan-Florida State matchup tonight is very intriguing because I I really don't know who you give an advantage to, but Michigan is such a blue-collar team watching them in person. They just kind of manufacture things. Not real flashy. You just kind of go about their business. They, they play good defense. They uh, they don't give you a whole lot. They don't walk a lot of people. And they got good pitching. I really thought they, they pitched it well in uh, in game one against Texas Tech. But uh, here's the deal. By close of business Tuesday night, there are only going to be six teams in America still playing college baseball. And Mississippi State's going to be one of them because we are sure to at least two games, which means that we've got to extend our stay to at least Friday. Right, and so how will this pitchy matchup? And all? Chris Simonis will announce it later today. Dave Murray and Robbie Fall going to come practice for us. I'm going to go ahead and head over to the ballpark. We're going to have some more coverage for you today, Dave, and I'll do a video. Uh, Robbie, you'll have a notebook. You know, we're we nobody's covering this event like we are. Okay, just go ahead and accept that. That's just the reality of things. You know, we've got we've got we got a crew here working this but for you. You know, we're trying to bring as much of this stuff back home uh, for all you Bulldog fans. But uh, so we'll have that today, and then. Chris Limonis will announce a starter for tomorrow night's game today. I suspect it'll be Peyton Plumlee. That that's, that's what I think. I, I don't know that for sure. And, and one of the reasons that I think Peyton is the right move is because of the offensive team that Vanderbilt is. They are a launch angle team. They want to hit big flies. And they're capable of doing it. They, they proved that yesterday. Uh, but Peyton Plumley is a guy that does a great job with the sinking action on his fastball, he gets under the barrels and forces people to beat the ball in the ground. I believe that's exactly what the doctor ordered. This is a big ballpark. Make them use the full complement of the ballpark. Not to mention Peyton Plumlee's a senior, and uh, you know this is a guy that's won a couple big ball games for you. He, he has the, the the series clincher against in against Miami to clinch the regional. Uh, gives some of the, his best baseball of all time against Stanford to clinch the super regional. He has been on the big stage. Now he's never pitched in Omaha, because he wasn't part of this thing last year. But this is a kid that's worked back and put himself in a position to to be an an integral part of this team. And so I'm I'm good with that. And then you come back with JT again, I think, on Friday. And JT of course being the guy that can kind of get you there. And I think the longer you can let JT rest, and I don't worry about the rust because there, you know, they he's getting a bullpen, you know, he's getting he's he's getting his work in. He's gonna be good to go, okay? But I think managing that gets you in a better position because you, you come back with JT. JT wins a bracket for you. The next thing you know, it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday deal. Uh, and I don't know what JT could come back and give you in a Wednesday ball game. Hopefully we wouldn't need it. But uh, there could be an as-needed ballgame on Wednesday. But We've got to get there first. Now Chris will make an announcement a little bit later today. Uh, could be JT. Could be Peyton. I, I really think it's going to be Peyton. I, I really think that. I think that's a good matchup. Not, not that JT's not capable of beating Vanderbilt. That's not what I'm saying. I just think, based on the circumstances right now, I think that's that's probably the way you go. I think the way Peyton is pitching, uh, that, that that's probably the way to go. I just, I think that makes the most sense to me. And uh, listen, I thought Mississippi State played Vanderbilt as about as well as they could in Hoover. We just didn't get a couple of timely hits. I thought State outplayed Vanderbilt in that ball game. And you know the difference in the ballgame, if you recall, is uh, there was a fly ball that was hit to left, and Rowdy didn't get a good jump on it, and it falls in, and they win the ballgame with nothing. And I'm not throwing shade at Rowdy. That just shows you how close these teams are. There are a lot of people that have come out and said that they think Vanderbilt is the best team in the country. Some of that is just a familiar talking point, because they were the number two team uh, in the tournament. And they're really, really good in their own ballpark. I didn't think they were especially good in Hoover, even though they won the thing. What I mean by that is I think they kind of outlasted people because they've got arms. But I thought both Mississippi State and Ole Miss should have beat Vanderbilt in Hoover. They were, they're they not this dominant team that some people are out to make them to be. And I think I think that's a lazy, trendy pick that people go with. Well, they were the number two team. The number one team loses, and so it makes sense. It's a, it's a talking point that I don't think is rooted in fact. And that's all due respect to Vanderbilt. They've got some talent. They got some guys that can really swing it. I don't think they're nearly the same team outside of their ballpark. And everybody's a little different away from home. Don't don't get me wrong. But I think they were built to play in that little crackerjack of a ballpark there in Nashville, kind of wedged up between uh, the highway and the football stadium. Uh, and I think it's a different deal. And when you go in there and play, it's, like, it's, it's just weird. I mean, I, I don't know what it is about Vanderbilt and these weird configurations, you know, for years and years and years when the you go play basketball, you'd have to sit on the opposite end. You know, you'd sit on the end line, and uh, they're just—they they seem to be fans of these odd configurations. But uh, this, honestly, is what I think most of us expected to see. We expected state to beat Auburn, and I think as much as we were pulling for Louisville, we we figured Vanderbilt would win the game. And then we're going to see Ka- Kamar Rocker. You know, got it to a no hitter against uh, Duke and the Super Regionals. But let me go ahead and prepare you for that. That—that's—he's had a good outing. Okay. But that, that's one of those once in a lifetime type things. It's not going to be uh, a slugfest. If it is, it'll be a big shock. I think the way Peyton Plumlee and Rocker both are pitching, it'll be a ball game similar to what you've seen all week out here. Because if you go back and look at these ball games, every one of them is boiled down to one or two hits making the difference. Nobody has just kind of run away from anybody. Everybody has been able to manage the game. Every game has gone into the ninth inning with trepidation and anxiety. That's what will happen tomorrow night, too. Uh, I suspect that's what will happen tonight. I mean, I, I'm expecting a great day of baseball at Omaha. And I, I know that 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 probably sounds uh, you know kind of redundant because everybody here is a great team. But uh, you, you don't you don't get to this point by playing bad baseball, and uh, and it's, everybody talks about well they're hot, they're hot. Everybody's hot. Everybody. There's not a team in, the, in this tournament that doesn't think they're hot. You know, Auburn comes in, uh, people think they were a team of destiny, but you know, there were two teams that entered the College World Series. They were undefeated in Kyle in NCAA tournament play. Now it's Florida State, Mississippi State, and right now they're both six and zero. Both six and zero right now. Re- they remain undefeated, despite the fact that there was some craziness. And, you know, and that, and that's a lot of times what happens. You look at that ball game with Arkansas and, and Florida State. It boiled down to one big, wild, and crazy play. What do you know? You got a hit by pitch. You put you put the the leadoff man on, and then you get a ground ball to your shortstop, and he's got a chance to turn two and it's just kind of a wild and crazy collision. Uh, Martin is banged up, the ball gets loose, and then now the what proved to be the winning run is at second, and they come around and score. You know, let, let's say Martin makes that tag a step or two before and turns a double play. Who knows what happens? But every time when you've got teams that are so evenly matched, it boils down to who can make a play and who can't. And as we saw last night, Auburn had a chance to make a play to win the ball game. They didn't make it. Mississippi State had plays down the stretch to make to win the ball game. They made them. And we talk about, well, you know, it boiled down to one play. That's usually how it is. But every play is of consequence. You know, we, we remember the one play. We remember Edouard Julian throwing the ball away. But how many other plays on the night did Mississippi State make to put themselves in a position to force that action? You know, if Elijah McNamee. Elijah McNamee doesn't hit that ball down left field line, we're not in that situation. If Jake Mangum doesn't lead off the inning with a double off the wall, we're not in that situation. So Mississippi State had to make a lot of plays in that ninth inning to win the ball game, and they made them all. It's as simple as that. They played winning baseball, and I will be completely honest with you. I have no problem confessing this. When when it got down to uh, one out in the ninth, I got a little nervous. I did. Uh, just you know, it's one of those things. man, you begin to look at the numbers and begin to think, okay. And then when Foskew grounded out, and you begin to think, okay, they're one pitch away. We're down four three. I, I I'll be honest with you. I thought that's exactly how it was going to end. But I'm glad the Mississippi State Bulldogs didn't agree with me. I'm glad they didn't give up on themselves. There are many of us that did, and uh, I'm not the kind of guy to go on message boards or go on Twitter and, and uh, call our fans out. You know, that's. You know, but because I was right there along with them and uh, love Mississippi State, love Mississippi State baseball. But uh, there was a part of me I, I was already beginning to think in my head, man, I'm going to end up driving home Wednesday. I, I packed for two weeks and came out here expecting to uh, to cover a national championship. And I'm going to I'm going to be heading home on Wednesday. And uh, and so you begin to kind of reason and bargain with yourself. And you say, well, you know, I guess that's some money we won't have to spend. But I'm happy to spend it. That, that's what's why I'm here. That's why you all are here. That's why you all are so mostly invested in this is because you care. Because it means something to you. And as we're leaving the, the uh, press conference last night, Marshall Gilbert's gathered up all his gearies, Going out of the bus. And I asked him, I said, Marshall, you think you'll be able to sleep tonight? And he kind of laughed and joked. And he said, well, I'm going to go talk to my mom first. I want to go see my mom first. And that's when you begin. That's when it kind of sits in. You know as important as all of the, these guys are to us there's somebodys son there's my brother and and that sounds so cliche but it's true you know when that uh, when when Marshall stepped into the box you know he had a mom out there that uh, just wanted to see her baby extend the inning you know what I'm saying it's like, I don't want him to be the last out. I don't want him to, you know, if you've had kids that played sports, you know what I'm talking about. Those, those deals that you make, you know what I'm saying? You kind of bargain. You begin to think, man, if we can just make this happen. And then I said, Marshall, I said, um, these are the things that dreams are made of. And he kind of turned and smiled and he goes, yep. And you begin to realize, as much as it all means to us, it means that much more to them. And And because it matters to you and to me, and to everybody else that, uh, you know, we're we're trying to find their magic place to sit on the couch last night, right? You begin to realize they're doing it for all of us too. We're in this thing together. You know, we come, we cheer, we support. And there's so many of you that are are so prolific on social media that send supportive notes to players and and you tag them and stuff. And, And I'm not a big fan of that when it comes to recruits, but when it comes to the players, if it's something positive, I think that's a great thing. There's enough negativity in life without you uh, tweeting at a player because you're venting your frustration. But uh, last night, I'm sure for your Mississippi State Bulldogs, Twitter was a lot of fun. I'm sure that getting on there and, and uh, reading the comments and seeing the reaction and seeing the videos, it's just one of those moments that I think we'll probably all remember forever. And I'll always remember where we were. I know I will because I was in Omaha watching Mississippi State play in person for the first time in the College World Series. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget what we saw last night. And, and I tweeted, Marshall Gilbert has now written his name in Mississippi State baseball history with an indelible ink. You know, this is a guy that has kind of been, you know, up and down, part-time starter at times, platoon, some at third base, and then kind of settled as we got down towards the end of the year. And then now he has come through in one of the biggest moments in Mississippi State baseball history. And if Mississippi State wins this thing, I think you could point right back to that ninth inning and say, you know what, that's what propelled these guys to a national championship, is they very easily could have just packed it in down 4-1 in ninth inning. Because you know what, guys, it's just not our night. We'll figure the pitching out, and we'll try to come back through the loser's bracket. Oregon State did it last year, right? I'm sure that was probably in the back of our minds. We're thinking, okay, how do we rally the troops, and we'll find a way? But what better moment than the present to make something memorable happen? And that's what your Bulldogs did. They found a way to come back and win that game. And just the reaction of Auburn fans uh, at that ball game, and uh, we have been there and felt that gut punch ourselves. That it doesn't always happen for us, but but gratefully, when it does happen for us, it seems like it's on the baseball diamond because we are a baseball school. I love all of our sports. I love covering all of them. I know you guys do too. And, and there's so many Bulldog fans that used to buy those nondescript Mississippi State shirts. And now I see people with their Mississippi State baseball shirts and football shirts and women's basketball shirts and track and field shirts. I mean, they're, they're, our fans are so great to support all of our student athletes. But last night was one for the ages. And I don't think we're done yet. I think we've got some great memories left to make. And, I, and I, when I begin to think about this Jake Manga Elijah Mactomy thing, it's one of those things you look at. We talk about dynamic duos and that kind of stuff. And I'm, listen, I'm not going to compare those guys to Palmero and Clark. That's not what I'm going to do. But those guys collectively, there is just such a sincere belief between those two. They're so incredibly positive and competitive. that They just kind of keep everybody up. And I think that is just something that's just prevalent throughout the entire team. I think they kind of lead this team to believe that magical things will happen if you just keep playing hard if you just make the next play something big will happen and Jake Mangum said that they're higher powered he said you know it's just a higher power thing and there's got to be something more at play here we, we always talk about the magic of Alex Box and when LSU gets on a roll and a lot of times because LSU is really good and the moment's often too big for other teams when they come in there but last night we had some maroon magic of our own I, I called it, you know Black Magic is wearing his black uniforms, and you know, Ethan Small, not a big, <laughs> not a big fan of wearing those at his start, but uh, we will never have another uh, uh, nickel black Sunday in Ethan Small's career, because uh, we're done playing baseball on Sundays, uh, but uh, the bottom line is we live to fight another day, and a assured of two more games, and uh, I'm going to head to TD Ameritrade here shortly, and I'm going to go... Uh, Go watch the elimination game, and we'll have some content for you. get Dave Murray and I'll be together. And I mentioned uh, Robbie Fox. we got we got water wall coverage, and so nobody's going to have more than us. So please go by and check that out because we're going to have uh, we're going to have a lot to go. And uh, we all spent Father's Day together down here. And it's listen, it's tough being away from the kids. Okay, it's part of the job. We get it. We're all grown people, but uh, but it's tough. It's tough on the families. Uh, you know, back home, because a lot of times the kids don't fully appreciate why you're not there. But the bottom line is, uh, if I've got to be away from my family, there is no better place in the world to be than be up here doing this in the College World Series and seeing a game for the absolute ages. And so wherever you are today, uh, I'm sure the case of the Monday's, many of you probably couldn't wait to get to work just because you wanted to to talk to your friends and maybe talk a little trash to, uh, to fans of other schools or whatever. Uh, but we're going to have a lot more to talk about, and uh, and I and listen, I'll check the sound quality on this thing out. If it's not great today, I'll, I'll try to make it better uh, for Wednesday. But we've we'll got some, uh, we'll figure some things out. We'll kind of push ahead. But that's going to do it for today. Uh, thank you guys so much for your support and patrons of the Boneyard uh, and all of the work. And uh, if you hadn't done so, go buy yourself a Stark Villain shirt. You can do that at StarkVillain.com, and uh, we'll have a book for you pretty soon. I, I, I finished up the writing process completely. All the edits done. All it's done now. It's just the few little checks and balances and stuff that's got to, you know, copy editors and people like that. But uh, the heavy lifting's done, and uh, we'll have a release date for you very, very soon. And and there've been so many fans that have come up to me here in Omaha, and and I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes you guys are like food for the soul, because there'll be a lot of times that I'll be, you know, maybe I'm upset about something or you know a little bit anxious or, or or stressed out. And I have had so many people here in the concourses at TD Ameritrade come up and say, "Hey, man, Steve." Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for The Boneyard. Thanks for Gene page Thanks for you know, for writing Flim Flim. And uh, it means the world to me. And uh, I just want you guys to know, one of the things that I always wanted to do was just do something of significance. Be involved in work that people care about. And uh, I'm so incredibly blessed. And uh, I want to thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.